guys, I'm just going to have to say it. You know me. I got to say it, especially after what we saw last night. Who's got it better than Jim Harbaugh and Michigan this season? Nobody. Welcome to Pigskin Frenzy on this wonderful Tuesday afternoon and evening, I guess. Thank you for joining us. I'm Joel Morris, and whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, listening on Podbean, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some college football coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, like each episode, leave comments down below. Spotify, Podbean, and Apple, all you have to do is share around with others and follow on there as well. X, Instagram, and Facebook, all you have to do is type in Pigskin Frenzy, follow, like the pages there. You will get episode updates. You will get news and highlights from across college and NFL football. You will get trivia questions on Instagram stories. Go and answer today's because today's was pretty good about college football as well as all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. Guys, if you ever heard of the song uh, End of the Road by Boys to Men, I'm an R&B guy, so I like R&B stuff. Um, but... Have you heard of that song? It's a great song. It's kind of sad, but it's accurate at this moment because we have reached the end of the road. The college football season is now officially over until September. Although we've come to the end of the road. See, that I'm singing it now. Uh, you, you're not going to want me to sing anymore. So college football is over, and it capped off the 2023 season with a great finale with the national championship game, which we're about to break down Michigan and Washington. We're also going to talk about a little bit about the, the transfer portal, both involving kind of ironic and funny Ohio state. We're going to talk about the two transfers there and the two big acquisitions there. We're also going to sum up a little bit, the entirety of the 2023 season in mind and collect my final thoughts of the 2023 season before we conclude, conclude this episode with a page turner. We're going to turn the page to the 2024 season in the new era of college football as we know it. So subscribe to the channel. Keep plugging into Pigskin Frenzy on YouTube. Like each episode, leave comments down below. Spotify, Podbean, Apple, follow, share around with others. Keep plugging in on there. Keep plugging in on X, social, on, the, on X, Instagram, and Facebook, on all the socials. Because I want to hear from you. I want to listen to you, and I want to hear from you. Keep plugging in on Pigskin Frenzy, and just keep talking. And let's rock and roll for college football. So... Also, quick update, we're going to announce what we're doing next Tuesday for the College Football episode on Pigskin Frenzy, next Tuesday for episode 89 uh, at the end of the episode. So, And I'm going to post it on the socials, so you're not going to want to miss the end of the episode and keep plugging in on the socials for Pigskin Frenzy for next week. So here we go. Let's break down the national championship. I covered it yesterday. Houston was rocking. It was severe weather. It was severe weather. And uh, I was, I was, you know, hoping and praying that everyone made it safe and everybody, you know, was going to be okay going to the national championship game in Houston in NRG because of the weather, you know. So I was praying for that. I was praying about Jim Harbaugh getting there safe, but he did get there. Uh, John Harbaugh, excuse me, rather John Harbaugh, the Baltimore Ravens head coach, and he got there safely. He even during the TV timeout embraced Jim Harbaugh the sidelines as he was coaching, and during the TV timeout, it was awesome. Uh, Harbaugh family reunion, they all watched Jim try to win a national championship and cap off a 15-0 season at his alma mater in what could be his final season. So, uh, and I will get to that in a minute. You're thinking, really? What are you talking about? If you haven't kept up with it, we'll talk about it. 
So, the national championship. I picked Washington to win the national championship. Let me give you my reasoning why. Because they were 4-0, and I'm sorry, 5-0 and now, rather, 5-0 and after the Sugar Bowl as underdogs, as Texas was favored in that game as well. So 5-0 and as underdogs all year. And I was just thinking, you know what? If they're 5-0 against, you know, whoever's the favorite team, I cannot go against that spread. Give me Washington, right? Can't help myself. Couldn't help myself against Alabama either. I thought Alabama could beat Michigan because when, and I still think this, when Alabama is backed into a corner, when they're backed into a corner, you don't really want to play Alabama because if you doubt them, they'll come running back at you harder, faster, stronger than ever, and uh, jab you with that pencil in the neck. You know what I mean? It's annoying. And it's it's for an opponent. It's annoying for opponents to deal with that. So I thought Alabama was going to give them fits. I was wrong about that. And I was wrong about the national championship. Final score, 34-13. Michigan defeats and outmatches Washington in the national championship to cap off a 15-0 season, perfect season, and Jim Harbaugh at his alma mater to finally win a national title at his alma mater and to bring one home for the Michigan Wolverines against all odds. Michigan versus everybody, and they have beaten everybody. So, Michigan, I said it all year that they were the, and you're going to think you're contradicting yourself at this point. No, I have been on the Michigan bandwagon since day one. The only games that I doubted them in were Alabama, because I found out who they were playing, and Washington because of the undefeated as underdogs thing. So that, those were my reasonings. But against everybody else, I thought Michigan was going to go to the playoff. I thought they were going to be the number one seed in the playoff or the number two seed in the playoff. I thought Georgia was going to get in. But um, the number one seed. Michigan, since week one, I said this, that they, and I'm going to keep saying, I'm going to keep beating a drum on this. You're not going to hear me say it next year. So, this is the last time I will say this. Or, well, I will say this. It may be the last time for this season. I will say, I'll keep mentioning it. But for right now, they were the most complete team in college football. There's no debate on that. They were the most complete team in college football at the running backs, at the quarterback, at the receiving slot, at the D on the defensive line, on the offensive line. They won the Joe Moore Award. They were the most complete team in college football on all aspects of the ball. Jim Harbaugh still coaches them, yes, but in a lot of areas, they have grown so much that in a lot of areas, they coach themselves almost. And Jim Harbaugh just sits back and he's on autopilot. And it's hard, to, it's hard to sit there and say that Michigan, you know, wasn't the most complete team in college football because they were. I said it since week one. Man, I said it. And you're going to think this is crazy. I said it before. I said it during the summer of last year. I said it during before. I said it June going in to the season. June of 2023. Two months. Three, two and a half months before the season started. I said that Michigan was the most complete team in college football. I said that if this, if if anything, the year that they were going to win it, if this was the year, if any year they were going to win it, it would have to be this year because there is no way, no way that they could let this slide. No way. They had the team to win it all. So now go and freaking do it. All right? Go and do it. And they did. 
So I picked him to, to win the game against Ohio State. I picked him to win the Big Ten Championship. I when I, I started doubting myself on winning the national championship because of the teams they were playing. I thought it was going to be an Alabama-Texas national championship. I was completely wrong on that. And I was wrong about Michigan. I'll admit that. I was right and wrong on Michigan. They're the most complete team in college football. And here's the thing. Before we break this game down, let's talk about Michigan for a little bit. And you know what? Let's break the game down, and then I'll get my thoughts on Michigan. Let's break the game down. Final score was 34-13. Michigan, J.J. McCarthy, uh, 10 for 18, 140 yards, played a good game. Uh, he also ran four carries, 31 yards. Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards were the main highlights of the offense. Blake Corum, 21 carries, 134 yards, and two touchdowns. Donovan Edwards, six carries, 104 yards, and two touchdowns. He was an animal. He was an animal. Uh, Kalanle uh, Mullen, Mullings, three carries, 21 yards. Alex Orgy, ten, two carries, 15 15 yards. Uh, Colson Loveland, three receptions, 64 yards. Roman Wilson, three receptions, 54 yards. Cornelius Johnson, three receptions, 25 yards. Uh, the big the, the big main like highlights on defenses were Mike Serenricity, uh, Seren- Seren- the receiver and defensive back, two-way player for Michigan. I mean, Mike Serenricity, he had eight total tackles and he had one interception. Will Johnson also had four tackles and one interception. Great job of those two. Will Johnson won the defensive player. <clears throat> Excuse me, my voice again. <clears throat> Excuse me, I had to clear my throat. He won defensive MVP. Man, getting over this sickness for a month, man, you just it does something to you. So just bear with me. I'm still trying to get over it. I'm over it. I'm a majority over it now. As you can tell, I'm excited. So just bear with me here. But they that was the defensive MVP for the Michigan Will Johnson. Let's go over Washington really quick and let's break this game down. Michael Penix Jr., uh, 20, 27 for 51, 255 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions. Uh, he ran the ball a little bit. Uh, didn't get much out of it, though. He had three carries. Dylan Johnson, 11 carries, 33 yards. Um, Jalen uh, McMillan, six receptions, 33 yards, a touchdown with nine-yard carry. Roma Dunsey, five receptions, 87 yards, an absolute animal in as a receiver. And, you, you know, NFL receiver in a Washington uniform is Roma Dunsey. Jack Westover, five receptions, 42 yards. Jalen Polk, who earlier today declared for the NFL draft, so he will be leaving Washington after this game. Four receptions with 37 yards last night. Dylan Johnson also had two receptions and 24 yards. Devin Culp had a 14-yard reception. Um, and, uh, I mean, let me want to tell you something. Dominique Hampton was an absolute stud yesterday. Absolute stud. He did everything he could to try to to try to break up some protections and break up you know and break up receive you know, you know some pa- some passes for the receivers. He was all over the receiving core yesterday. He played a heck of a he played a heck of a game. He had ten total tackles and a lot of uh, breakaways for that defense. Dominique Hampton was all over that field last night, and he did a great job for the Washington Huskies. Washington has nothing to be ashamed of. They had a spectacular season that not even I saw coming. I thought they were going to lose the Pac-12 title game against USC. And I didn't know USC was going to be what they were until about October. So, I mean, Washington, they made the playoff. 
I thought Oregon was going to beat them in the Pac-12 title game. I thought that they weren't going to make it in, but they made it in. I thought Texas was going to beat them, and they made it to the national championship. 14 in one season. Nothing to hang your head on. Kalen DeBoer, coach of the year, and deserves to be. Heck of a head coach. And they had a spectacular football season. Like, there's no doubt. They played lights out. They had some incredible games. That offense was clicking on all cylinders. They had a team. Michael Penix Jr., man, has had a heck of a college football career. Started at Indiana. He was a stud at Indiana. When I watched him at 18, I was 18 years old at the time, watching Michael Penix Jr. I'm 23. This year, I'll turn 24. And I watched Michael Penix Jr., as a 19-year-old freshman at Indiana, balling out. He had two season-ending injuries. He led them in the COVID year to a 12th spot, a top 15 spot in college football at Indiana. He decided to transfer to see what else he can do and see what other what other ventures he can do and see if he can, you know, take it up a notch. He went he went to Washington, balled out last season. He balled out in the Alamo and let him do an Alamo Bowl. Had a great season last year, Washington did. Then he decided, you know what? One more year. One more year of eligibility. I'm back. I'm coming back for my last year of eligibility. Roma Dunsey decided to come back. Everybody decided to come back for a final time and they made it all the way to the national championship. I said that Washington was going to be a solid team during the offseason last year and they made it. They really did. I'm just going to keep saying it. They made it. Solid team. Uh, I did not expect them to make it to the national championship, though, but I expected them to do some good things this past season. But they exceeded all expectations. So congratulations for Washington on making it to the national championship. Um, about this game for Washington, they just really couldn't get a lot going. Uh, Washington, they had, Michael Penix had some had a good touchdown pass to Jalen McMillan. Uh they played good in the kicking game. Grady Gross played really good, uh, you know, kicking the ball, and he did. He he nailed it. But when it came to the defense, the defense played spectacular. They uh, made it difficult for Michigan in at least in the second quarter, in the third quarter, to get the ball going and to get them down the field. They made Michigan punt a few times. They fought Michigan up front. And uh, the receiving core, secondary, Dominique Hampton, like I said, was a key factor in for that defense on this game. The Washington's defense stepped up in a big way when the offense felt like they couldn't because Michigan's defense found answers for Washington's offense. They pressured Michael Penix. They, um, they pressured Michael Penix into making some throws and overthrowing. They, he really didn't. He threw two picks. Yes, he, they turned the ball over twice. First play of the third quarter, Michael Penix threw an interception. Um, he made some mistakes. But those mistakes were caused by the defensive line and the the defense itself by Michigan. They were pressuring him all game. While they sacked him a couple of times, they didn't sack him all the way, but they sacked him enough. Not really sacked him enough, but they pressured him enough to make him make mistakes. And that is what cost Washington in the game. Michael Penance couldn't be himself because he was pressured. He was pressured all game. And I think and it calls Roma Dunsey to not be able to catch a high football. Jack Westover dropped footballs. McMillan dropped them because Michael Penix was wide right behind them or overthrowing them. And he, you couldn't do anything. He, he just couldn't do anything. That Michigan defense was just salty. And I think that's what happened with Michigan in this game. 
for Michigan, they played a spectacular game on offense and defense. I mean, they're all JJ McCarthy. Everyone said that JJ McCarthy was kind of quiet. Maybe on the stat line, yes, but he made some plays. He made some some big plays. He converted on big third downs with his legs, with his ability to scramble and to improvise uh, when no one's open is quite impressive. That's some pro quarterback abilities that he possesses. And I assume that J.J. McCarthy will announce that he will be declaring for the NFL here within the next few days. And I don't doubt that because he needs to go to the NFL. He is a pro quarterback. And when I saw him make abilities to scramble and, and, and improvise during that football game, I was quite impressed with him. Um, not only that, the running backs, of course, how can you not be impressed with Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards? I said they were the best one-two backs in the country going into this season, and they were. Donovan Edwards, 106 yards and 104 yards and two touchdowns, along with Blake Corum, 134 yards and two touchdowns. Four touchdowns combined. Uh, and when you look at it, 200, and let me do the math in my head because, you listen, my math is not the best. Four total touchdowns combined between the two and 238 yards combined between the two. So 238 yards rushing combined between the two and four touchdowns are combined between the two. So Edwards and Corum, who most likely will both go to the NFL, um, will will honestly, uh, honestly made that game. Running the ball for them made that game. Corum and Edwards just dominated on the ground, and Washington really could not stop the run. And not only that, up front, Michigan was the better team up front. They were the most, more physical team up front. That line outmatched them. And they were the more physical football team this whole game. And I think that is what caused Washington fits. They were the most physical football team. When you look at the stats overall, uh, the yard, I mean, it, it's a total mismatch. Now, passing yards, it wasn't. It wasn't. Passing yards, it wasn't. Passing yards, Michael Penix actually outpassed Michigan and J.J. McCarthy. 255 yards, so they're 140. Overall, total yards, Michigan 443. Washington, 301 rushing yards, complete mismatch. Uh, they couldn't, Washington couldn't get anything going on the ground with Dylan Johnson. Michigan completely stuffed the run and shut the run down. And Dylan Johnson was very limited. And the other running backs really couldn't get anything going because I, they are good runners, but not like they needed Dylan Johnson healthy for that game. And he wasn't healthy enough to get a lot going on the ground. So it was a complete mismatch on the ground. Michigan 303 yards rushing compared to Washington's 46. And it was a complete domination on the ground. And yard and yards per play. Yards per play was a big one. Uh Washington had 4.2 yards per play. Michigan had 7.8 yards per play. Per play, 7.8 yards per play. Uh then another tack on another three yards after a second and three, first down. And it's just Michigan was the most complete team in college football, and they looked like it yesterday. They outmatched Washington, physically outmatched Washington. They just couldn't do anything. And if you're Washington, keep your head up because you made it, and you represented the Pac-12 in its final, in, in what is essentially its final season, right? Okay, you represented them right by going to a uh, by by being not only one of the last teams in the Pac-12, but by, in this final season, representing as a Pac-12 member in the national championship, in its final four-team 
college football playoff national championship, it was represented by a Pac-12 team. So Washington did great, and Washington needs to hang their held up high by going. But, but Michigan was just a better team. That's all it was. Michigan was just a better team yesterday. Now, did they miss some calls on Michigan? Absolutely, they missed some calls. There was a lot of holding calls on Michigan that that they that they should have called. Uh, could it have affected the outcome of the game? I do not know. But for Michigan, they needed to make some calls on holding. Uh, they made more calls on holding that they should have called on Michigan over Washington that Washington got. And I just don't understand that, really. Washington barely held, and they got called. And then Michigan held like it was nobody's business. And then they got called for it. So, uh, and they didn't, they didn't get called for it. So, my thought process is this doesn't matter. Michigan is 15 and 0, the national champions. And there's really nothing to say other than congratulations to Jim Harbaugh and the national champions. Who's got it better than them? That's right. I heard you guys say it. I already know what you're saying. Nobody. Nobody's got it better than in this season right now than Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines. Final score, Michigan 34, Washington 13 to conclude the 2023 college football season. And Michigan are the national champions while Washington has nothing to be ashamed of. 14-1 in a good season and a spectacular season for Washington that no one really saw coming. So, for Michigan... Enjoying the win. I know they're enjoying the win, but what now when you look at Michigan? What now when you look at them? This is me coming straight from the heart. I have no notes on this. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, and this is just me, has accomplished what he wanted to accomplish. Now, the first six seasons compared to the past three, so he's been there for nine years. Nine years. The first six seasons, one bowl win, did not beat Ohio State as much when Urban Meyer was there. Ryan Day took over the first couple of seasons. He didn't beat Ohio State. Now, he turned it up a notch. He recruited a spectacular recruiting class, uh, brought some guys in for the portal. I mean, he, 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 he did well, especially in high school recruiting. Now, more so... He did more. He did more in high school recruiting than he did in transfer. But he played. He, he was spectacular in high school recruiting and recruited these guys. This crap. This class from two years ago, from twenty uh, from the twenty twenty one class to come to the twenty twenty to, to culminate to twenty twenty three. All juniors and seniors and all here now. Man, the past three seasons, Michigan wasn't playing around. Three straight Big Ten championships. Back to back to back, three straight wins over Ohio State, three playoff appearances, and a national championship to clap to cap off that, and a and a fifteen and zero season. So when you look at it, what's next for Jim Harbaugh? He did he the third time's a charm. They lost it two years ago against Georgia in the Orange Bowl, got dominated, lost a nail biter to TCU. JJ McCarthy uh, inf- infamously said, "We'll be back," and they were. Then they beat they third time's a charm. Rose Bowl win over Alabama and go to the national championship and win against Washington. Cap off a fifteen and zero season, won a title. So, what's that for Jim Harbaugh? <clears throat> he said when he came there. His mission was to win a national championship at Michigan and his alma mater. And he brought a national championship home at Michigan and his alma mater. It took him nine years to do it, but he did it. Now, Michigan has offered him a 10-year, 120 
$5 million extension to stay as the head coach of Michigan. The only caveat to that is you cannot accept and entertain any NFL jobs. Now, I know this is not NFL day today. This is Thursday, and we will talk more about this on Thursday for NFL episodes before we talk about our playoff coverage. Yes, we're covering the playoffs for NFL, but we're going to talk about that then. Jim Harbaugh is reportedly interested in returning to the NFL. Um, He coached the 49ers and had a fantastic run there. Three three NFC championships made uh, every season he's been there, made the playoffs. He's coached Stanford. He turned Stanford around into an Orange Bowl to a a 13-1 Orange Bowl victory. He led San Diego State to an 11-1 season and a uh, conference title there. He has been a winner everywhere he's been, including the NFL. He's been a winner at the NFL. He has not won a Super Bowl, but he's won a national championship. He's been everywhere. He's been a winner everywhere he's gone. He is the one of the only coaches that has done well in the NFL and in college, besides a Pete Carroll, of course. So, so, NFL teams that are reportedly interested, Commanders, Chargers, Raiders. And he is reportedly, this is what I've been hearing from uh, guys from Bleacher Report, like Jordan Schultz, um, per Jordan Schultz, uh, I'm giving him the credit for this, that he might very well be, this might be well, very well be his last game at Michigan, and he might go off to the NFL to coach either A, the Chargers, or B, the Raiders. Don't know for sure. We're going to dive more deep into that Thursday. But if that's the case, what's Michigan going to do? What's their next steps? Who's going to be their next head coach? Uh, What's going to happen with the the players? Uh, The freshmen and sophomores who were there who played an impact in the national championship win, what are they going to do? Are they going to stay at Michigan? Are they going to transfer? The the players who were juniors and seniors, I'm pretty sure that a lot of them are going to head off to the NFL. J.J. McCarthy has... It sounded like when I heard him in his post-game interview said that this is the last time that we're going to play play together and there's no other way to end it. So he sounds like this, this is the end for him in college and he will go to the national champion. He'll go to the national football league and which he should. Donovan Edwards, Blake Corum should do the same. We're going to see what happens there. Uh, what happens with Michigan and what's going to happen there. Um, but for Michigan, what's the future hold? We're gonna. That's gonna be very interesting going into the spring because we're gonna cover spring football, and that's gonna be very interesting to see within the next few days, especially after their national championship parade coming up this week in Ann Arbor. We're gonna see what happens. Will Will, will Jim Harbaugh pull a swerve and stay at Michigan, or will he go to the National Football League, where he is all where not only is the NFL reportedly interested in him, and those teams are reportedly interested in him, he is reportedly interested in going back. So let's see. Let's just see what happens there. So we're going to discuss it Thursday on Pigskin Frenzy on NFL episodes because this is an NFL topic and we need to discuss it. I know it's a college football topic too, but we're going to discuss it more on Thursday because it's something that we need to discuss. Moving on. And you're going to think, wow, we're done with the national championship talk. Yeah. Going from one place to another to the team down south, Ohio State, We're going to hit up the transfer portal for a little bit before we recap the and sum up the 2023 season and look ahead to the uh, conclude today's episode with the 2024 season. This episode is not going to be like usual during the offseason. I'm just going to say this during the season. 
the episodes are longer because we got to break down games and predict games and all that. So the NFL game, the NFL episodes are probably going to be a little bit longer than the college ones here lately. But during the offseason, they're not going to be as long. Yeah, we're going to try to have some interviews during the offseason, which is going to be exciting for Pigskin Frenzy. But it's not going to be as long because there's no games to break down for college football. There's no games to, to you know to talk about. We're going to talk about spring and do our conference standing projections during the offseason. We're going to talk about that. But guys, like I said, stay the course. Keep plugging in. You're thinking, oh no, what are we going to do without no college football? Pigskin frenzy. What are we going to do you know, without no games? Pigskin frenzy. Guys, keep up with pigskin frenzy. Just keep plugging into pigskin frenzy. With that being said, let's talk about Ohio State and the transfer portal really quick. I'm just going to say this. It's kind of cold when you're doing this during the national championship. But transfer portal, two big pickups. Will Howard, Kansas State transfer quarterback Will Howard is transferring to Ohio State. When he was originally set to go to USC, he reversed course and is now committed and transferred to Ohio State. He most likely will be their starting quarterback for the Buckeyes next year. Uh, He may be a one-and-done, but he was a grad transfer, and he will be at Ohio State next year. And in the backfield, and this was kind of crazy to hear this, Last week, I got the news that Ole Miss running back, Quinshawn Judkins, was in the portal. And I was sitting there going, thinking, what? How could he be in the portal? How could he be in the portal? And the reasoning behind everything is we're going to get to this. We are going to get to that at the end of the episode when we conclude today's episode of Pigskin Frenzy. But he's in the portal. He left Ole Miss. He said it was best for him, and he did. And then during the national championship, Right after, he announced that he is transferring to Ohio State. Ole Miss transfer running back, Quinshawn Junkins, is transferring to Ohio State. What in the world is going on? Howard at quarterback, Junkins at running back. That is going to be a one-two punch tandem starting for Ryan Day next year that the Big Ten is not going to want to try to play against. That's going to be a hard thing to play against. Two big big transfers, two big acquisitions. Uh, Will that make... A guy like a Marvin Harrison stay? Will it make a Amike Abuka stay? I do not necessarily know to that. I think Marvin Harrison probably will go to the league, but what will happen? Who knows? But all I can say, all I can say is this: those are some two big pickups and in the portal. And if I am anybody in the Big Ten, I'm keeping an eye on that, especially Quinshawn Junkins, because what he did in, at Ole Miss in the SEC, he running on SEC defenses. Right, and I'm not necessarily knocking Big Ten defenses. Big Ten is a tough conference; it's the second toughest conference in my eyes. But when you're one of the top two conferences in my eyes that are tough, but when you look at what he did against SEC defenses, against Alabama, LSU, he ran wild. He had uh, 15, two 15 plus touchdown years. The first player to do that since. Herschel Walker in the SEC. So what's he going to do at Ohio State? Yards per carry? Quinshawn Junkins held the record of that in the SEC. Again, I ask, what is he going to do in the Big Ten? 
That's going to be a scary combo. So everybody's going to have to prepare for Quinshawn Juckins, number four at Ohio State, especially with Will Howard, because Will Howard can not only throw the football, he's a tough runner as well. So that's going to be an interesting tandem. And let's see what Ohio State does next year. I'm already starting to lean more towards Ohio State with the talent that they got coming back next year in the Big Ten. So uh, we're going to see what happens there. Uh, two big acquisitions in the transfer portal by both of them. I can't wait to see him play. That's going to be an exciting uh, one-two punch for Ohio State and Ryan Day next season. That was the portal. Let's just conclude with the 2023 season and, and what's to come. I'm going to get into my reasoning about that Quinshawn Juckins thing, and you're going to think, okay, you're going on a rant. You're just going to reverse course and go on a rant. I'm not trying to, but hear me out. This season was full of kind of with one big question, will Georgia three-peat? And that was a big question in the 2023 season. Will Georgia three-peat? And I was wondering to myself, they very well could. I don't know, but they look like they haven't been battle-tested enough because of their schedule. I was certainly wrong about that. I leaned more towards and bought into what Georgia was doing later on after they beat Kentucky. They beat a tough Missouri team. Uh, they beat a solid Ole Miss team. I mean, they were beating teams and blowing them out, and I was thinking this team may very well go to the SEC championship, beat Alabama, and repeat as national champions. And then, lo and behold, in the in the SEC championship, they didn't do that. But will Georgia repeat? We were also wondering what Michigan was going to do because Michigan, and I said this again, I'm going to keep saying it: beat a dead horse, the most complete team in college football. That's a team that could make do something as well. Those were the top two teams going into it. We also thought, leaning on the outside, what's LSU going to look like? What's Florida State going to look like? Because that's a top five or a top 10 matchup on Sunday, September 3rd in Orlando. That was going to be a, a highly anticipated rematch. And my, most likely, one of those two teams could go to the college football playoff. When Florida State ended up beating them, we thought Florida State was going to be very well into the college football playoff. Lo and behold, Jordan Travis gets hurt, unfortunately, in November. They start losing their guys, and they didn't. They get snubbed because they weren't the team that they were. Alabama wins against Georgia in the SEC Championship, and Alabama gets in. Playoff controversy at its finest once again for the first time this season. An undefeated Power 5 conference champion was left out of the playoff. Okay, um, what is the last season of the 14 playoff going to uh, hold? We had no idea what the Pac-12 was going to do, but we had two solid good football teams with Oregon and Washington in. And when you look at them, for the better, Oregon was a two-loss team, but they made it to a New Year's Six. They represented well. Bo Nix had a fantastic season. Uh, Could have won the Heisman. Michael Penix Jr. in Washington. We were wondering what's going to happen with them. We thought... USC was going to do something. USC turned out to be a seven, uh, an eight and five team, and we didn't expect them to do that at all. Uh, they kind of dipped a little bit after playing Notre Dame and Oregon and Washington. Um, had a tough game against Arizona. Washington was on the rise. Washington beat Oregon twice, won the Pac-12 title, defied all odds as underdogs, and went to the national championship against Michigan and after beating Texas in the Sugar Bowl. We had surprises. We had pageantry. We had teams that we didn't expect 
to, you know, be on the rise. The month of September was a good month for Colorado football. I mean, they were coming. They were undefeated. 4-0. They played a good, solid team. They were 3-1. and one. Sorry. They played a good, you know, had a good stretch until they played Oregon. Oregon blew them out. Then they played USC, and they blew them out. And they started losing. They were 4-8. and eight. Dion is doing something up there, folks. They're moving to the Big 12 next year. But they are doing something, man. The rise of LSU's offense. We didn't expect to see LSU's offense to look just like that. The sad thing is LSU could have been a playoff team, but they had one of the worst, if not the worst, defense in college football. <laughs> and they had the Heisman Trophy winner with Jaden Daniels because he had a phenomenal season, a record-breaking season Jaden Daniels had. So when you look at them, LSU could have been a legit contender. You had... A lot of stuff happened in college football this season. Georgia was left out. You're thinking, after what Georgia did to Florida State in the Orange Bowl, you're thinking, what could have been, right? What could have been with Georgia going to the S, going to the playoff? If you would have put them in, could they have beaten Alabama again? Could they have beaten Michigan? Could they have beaten Washington or Texas? What could have been, Right. Uh, it was a season full of what could have been, a season full of surprises. Ole Miss was a was a, a team that you thought that after losing to Alabama, they were done. But man, they only lost two games: Bama, Michigan. I'm sorry, Michigan, Georgia. I was thinking about Michigan winning the national t- title, and Georgia. They won the Peach Bowl, and next year they're ro- they're rolling on a high streak. They got their first 11 win season. When you look at them, and you think, man. That's a solid football team, and they were. They got their first 11-win season. They're coming next year, trust me. When you look at everything, surprise teams, Arizona, who thought Missouri was going to win the Cotton Bowl? Nobody did. No one thought Missouri was going to go 11-2 and and win the Cotton Bowl. I predicted them to go 6 in the SEC East, much less win the Cotton Bowl. No one thought that was going to happen, but they did. Eli Drinkwitz turned his program around. Surprises. Uh, and, and, and guys, Michigan overcoming the odds. The stuff with Michigan, the sign-stealing scandal with Michigan, the recruiting violation suspension with Harbaugh, two suspensions, obstacles in their way. Michigan versus everybody. They defied all odds, went 15-0, and win the national championship probably as a vilified national champion, but nonetheless as national champions. But this is what college football is, and it's what it's all about, defining odds, stories to tell. College football and football itself is can be the greatest story ever told. Can y'all imagine that? Football is what brings people together. College football, especially on Saturdays, is what brings people together. It's what drives everyone together as, you know, as fans. And despite all that, there is some cons of college football, and I'm going to get to that here in a little bit, but, and there's some stuff that needs to change, but it's still college football. It's still pageantry. It still has our hearts, right? It still has our hearts. Surprises. Full of, full of heartfelt games, full of tough teams that we thought were going to get in that didn't get in. 
games, epic games that we saw that was a solid football game. The best football game I kind of really saw all year was Washington, Oregon in October. Like that was a solid football game. That is what makes college football so great and what it is, right? Bringing underdogs to life and bringing them, hey, these guys can actually have a freaking shot at winning a title. I almost dropped my pen. <laughs> but it's it's what makes college football so good. Now, 2023 season is over. We don't see it until September. We don't see we're going to cover it all year, trust me. But we're turning the page to 2024. And when I tell you that college football is different, it's coming and it's different. It's going to be a different college football. Welcome to the new era of college football because it is completely different than what it was. Conference realignment is a big part of that. The Pac-12 is not is no more like this season. Washington, Oregon, USC, UCLA in the Big Ten, Arizona, Utah, Colorado, Arizona State in the Big 12. The Pac-12 is literally gone. The only teams that they have is Oregon State, Washington State, and per Ross Dillinger, they've agreed to a scheduling alliance, the Pac-12 did, with the Mountain West between those two teams. So it's still there, but not quite. So it's essentially out the window. The SEC is going to look a lot different. It's essentially the Power Three right now with Big 12, SEC, and the Big 10. ACC is still the same thing. We got the story with Florida State and the the built the grant of right, uh, the, uh, the rights deal of the ACC. The Florida State is trying to leave the ACC per Pete Thamel and everybody else from ESPN. They're trying to leave the ACC, and they're filing a motion and a lawsuit to get them out of the ACC to try to see what conferences they can go go to. If they win that lawsuit, they're getting out of the, the grant of rights and they're getting out of the ACC for free. College football is different, ladies and gentlemen. Oklahoma and Texas, two powerhouses, are leaving the Big 12 to go to the SEC, the powerhouse of college football. 16-team college football playoff. 16-team uh, college football uh, SEC divisions. No more divisions in the Big 10, Big 12, SEC. One and two C, the top two teams of the SEC get in. The top two teams of the Big Ten get in, which means we could see rematches of Ohio State and Michigan, not once, but twice or even three times in the college football playoff and conference championship. When you look at everything, college football is just completely different. The 12 team playoff is coming. Uh, four teams get a bye to the conference championship, and then the and then six through twelve at large, or five through twelve at large, the at large spots. So four teams get a bye, twelve uh five through twelve at large, and that last conference champion at twelve spot is goes to a group of five. So a group of five will be included in the college football playoff. Here's the here's the deal. Good thing for the playoff. Now it's time to put everyone's money where their mouth is. If you get in, you're in. Now here's also the deal. NIL and the transfer portal is bigger than it has been in quite some time. 
And I think that is a, a big problem with college football. Um, and I'm going to sit there and some will say it. Dan Arvlosky said it on first take. He said college football is has not regulated NIL and transfer portal, and it's kind of ruining the sport a little bit. And in some ways, it is. I feel like the uh, the windows are not good enough. They do not need to open up the transfer portal during the season, during bowl season, during the you know first week of December. Uh, I think that they need to regulate that after the national championship and then do another window during the spring. I think they need to start the season earlier and end the 12-team playoff around the same time they ended the Michigan-Washington game, January 8th. But I think that is suffice for, you know, college football. I think they need to regulate NIL packages. I think players need to get an equal percentage on all of every college football team, and they need to make it fair for everybody. I think that is what needs to be done in college football to make it fair for everybody and regulate the transfer portal, regulate NIL, and start the season earlier because more football and bleeding into the NFL playoffs could potentially hurt things. So what I'm saying is there are pros and cons to everything. These are the cons that they need to be worked on. I love college football as much as the next guy, but college football needs to change in that regard. If it doesn't, it's just going to get through more and more and more thrown into a loophole. It's going to be more free agency in college football, and we do not need that. Remember who the heck we are. We're college football. The motivation is to go to the National Football League if you're a college football athlete and you're a player and if you're a star. This is what we we're trending towards all about money and I don't think that's the necessary the necessary way to go. It needs to be about winning, playing uh excelling on a, a far good team. Money is good, yes, to pay for tuition and scholarships, all that stuff. It is. But to win a national championship in college football should mean a lot more than the packages that you're going to get in NIL. And I think the trajectory that we're trending towards is not a good look for college football and it needs to change. So my advice is this regulate NIL. Uh, do not open up the transfer portal until after the national championship and regulate that window and then opening up the second window during the spring still. And then start the season a little bit earlier. I agree with Dan Orvlosky on that point. ESPN's Dan Orvlosky on that point. Start the season earlier because Bleeding into the, the NFL playoffs is n not going to be as good. And more football for these kids is not going to be the best thing as you try to compete with the National Football League when it comes to playoffs. So those are the cons. Those are what I would change about college football. But we're headed into a entirely different look of college football. All I'm going to say to conclude today's episode of Pigskin Frenzy is welcome to the new era of college football in 2024. That is going to do it for Pigskin Frenzy today. Guys, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some college football coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, like each episode, leave comments down below. Spotify, Podbean, and Apple. Share around with others and follow on there as well. Big thank you for listening on audio. Guys, Facebook, Instagram, and Facebook, just type in Pigskin Frenzy. Follow, like the pages there. You'll get episode updates. You'll get news and highlights from across college and NFL football. You will get trivia questions on Instagram stories. Go and answer today's, as well as all things of today for Pigskin Frenzy. Guys, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday today. 
Thursday. We will be back. Longer episode this time, most likely, but we are covering the start. We will recap week 18, and we will cover the start of the NFL playoffs and all matchups coming up this weekend for the playoffs. Road to Las Vegas, road to the Super Bowl. Can't wait to cover everything for the NFL Thursday. Next Tuesday, we are going to do a call a postseason, a 2023 postseason college football QA. So I will post the question board on Instagram and on socials. Go and answer the question. Go and ask questions. DM me questions. I will get to all your questions next Tuesday, and we will do a QA episode for postseason college football QA episode next week for Pigskin Frenzy for College Football episode next Tuesday. So until Thursday and until then, I'm Joel Norris signing off and we will see you Thursday for play for NFL day and, and playoff football for everybody out there for Tuesday. Stay the course.